Welcome to the Blue Economy Primer, a New Orleans-based podcast where you learn from the experts the practical tools and solution sets that will empower your community to adapt and thrive in a new blue era of rising seas and economic discontinuity. Special thanks to the Dan Lucas Memorial Foundation and the Pontchartrain Conservancy for their financial and institutional support of Deep Blue Academy's education and research initiatives. Oceans are our future. As goes the well-being of our Gulf Coast communities, so goes the future of Louisiana. The same is true for island nations, maritime cultures, and low-lying coastal regions around the world. I'm Greg DeLon, your host for the Blue Economy Primer podcast. I'm an architect and urban planner specializing in all things blue economy. That includes development policies, technologies, and environmental projects that will help with the adaptation and retreat process that will be an inevitable part of humanity's future in the decades to come. The shocking truth is that our little blue planet is experiencing devastating and accelerating changes to average sea level, ocean temperatures, and marine pH that are already inescapably baked into the future of the planetary biosphere. This effectively means that our atmosphere and terrestrial environment will become increasingly hostile to human life for our future generations, even if we were magically able to stop doing damage to the biosphere right now. With each new day, we face mounting challenges from extreme weather cycles, runaway air and water pollution, destruction of aquatic habitats, and collapse of planetary biodiversity. The knock-on effects of these challenges include mass human migrations, the extinction of keystone animal species, natural resource conflicts, and ultimately, government, and social instability. The outlook is complicated, but rather than descending into hopelessness, the Blue Economy Primer seeks to offer resources and hope for the future in the form of promising technologies and viable solution sets that can help us adapt to these profound changes to our fragile human habitat. If you're listening to this podcast introduction, then you likely have already developed at least some basic interest in or curiosity about the Blue Economy and or maritime-based technologies. Or perhaps you're simply a loyal friend, family member, or colleague of mine who is interested in supporting our work. In any event, it's great to have your attention. Consistent with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and Disaster Risk Reduction Initiatives, our mission at Deep Blue is to empower at-risk coastal communities all over the world, with a particular focus on policymakers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the Louisiana Gulf Coast region to help these communities build capacity for adaptive response to the escalating realities of climate-induced land loss, flooding, and storm damage. In our first episode, we will meet and talk with local New Orleans and global experts about specific blue technologies, as well as broader approaches for developing innovation ecosystems that support the design, development, deployment, and scaling of critical new technologies and solution sets. About 2.4 billion people or 40% of global population, lives within 100 kilometers of the coast. So in the coming decades, these solution sets will be critical to preserving the unique cultural identity, lifestyles, and economies of maritime cultures. In episode one, New Orleans serial entrepreneur Tim Williamson talks about the process and events that laid the foundations for the vibrant innovation ecosystem that we see in New Orleans today. It takes 40 to 50 years to build an ecosystem. You don't just do it. And an ecosystem isn't just about we need capital. 
an ecosystem is a comprehensive network of, of interconnected systems that work together to identify and support and retain entrepreneurial talent. And it's not just we need incubators or we need capital. It's a culture shift. It's a mindset. You know, how do you change, in this case, a 300-year-old city that became complacent and insular? It's not about funding startups. It's about changing how we think about ourselves and changing a, a culture of insularity to openness and a culture from what if it fails to what if it works. By 2022, you know, we are now seeing the benefits of this ecosystem. We've had about $2.5 billion worth of exits in the last six months. Right now, the ecosystem's in place, um, and just last week they announced about $125 million worth of venture capital is coming in to, to fund this ecosystem. Tim's latest ongoing work with The New Society, a Web3 venture studio, is part of a larger vision for exponentially scaling the success that the local startup scene has enjoyed in recent years to encompass and support a broad range of sectors and technology initiatives. So the idea that New Orleans is a wonderful city, I love it more than anything, but could New Orleans be a model city for how communities connect and sustain themselves? And I think I think it's possible, and that's the journey we're on, is, is how do we take the 20 years of building the ecosystem, now the next 20 years of applying that skill in the network to do a bigger cause of, of creating a sustainable city. We think that Web3 or technology has the ability to unleash our creativity. So globally, if, 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 this, if we all agree by 2025 or 2030 that New Orleans will be going through a golden age of creativity where we're taking our best ideas, connecting it to, to new capital and connecting it to a, a broader community. But people will look at New Orleans not as a place of crime and corruption or potholes. Oh my gosh, look at the innovation coming out of that community. I think that's possible. And I think that is a vision that we could achieve because there's no reason why we can't. We've got the ecosystem, we've got the leadership, we've got the capital, let's just go. In episode two, we talk with our old friend and colleague, Joe Quirk, evangelist and president of the Seasteading Institute. On this earth, which we haven't discovered yet, it's called planet ocean, where more than two thirds of the earth's surface is ocean, 99% of the living space is the ocean when you consider the three dimensional nature of this planet. And we're the land apes stuck with our land-based myopia. We already have an atmosphere. It's not irradiated. It's already full of life. We need to discover the ocean and use it to solve these grand global challenges because it already is if we just work with it. But if we can put seasteads out there, grow coral reefs on our seasteads, we increase the amount of life on the ocean. We absorb carbonic acid from the ocean lowering the acidity of the ocean, which gives the ocean more power to uh, absorb CO2 from the atmosphere. The more we scale this up, the better it is for the Earth. Joe has been on the front lines of the blue economy and blue technology revolution for over 10 years, spearheading projects and proposals for floating cities and marine-based habitats in places like French Polynesia, Panama, and Thailand. Joe's best-selling book, Seasteading, and his work as a spokesperson and advocate for regenerative marine infrastructure has inspired aquapreneurs around the world, myself included, to dedicate their careers and lives to improving our human relationship with our marine environments. Meanwhile, New Orleans could start floating if we push forward 
these technologies. You want uh, to move on from fossil fuels, I re recommend each individual home has its own solar panels, its own wave energy generation technologies, its own ocean thermal energy conversion technologies. We could move our land farms to the ocean, give the land farms back to the songbirds. We could start powering civilization with completely renewable technologies in small steps over time, one house at a time, where we don't have to make a grand decision from the top down, solve it on the ocean. In episode three, we visit with the CEO of Gulf Wind Technology, James Martin, a brilliant and dynamic engineer from the Isle of Wight, who is boldly leading a complex mission to rapidly scale deployment of renewable energy wind turbines on the Gulf of Mexico. There was a recent Department of Energy study that showed actually um, 19 states in the U.S. have enough wind capacity to, you know, to fuel all of their electricity demands. So you've got this amazing resource. In fact, for our region, for Louisiana, there's seven times more power in, in offshore wind than we, would, than we can consume in the whole of Louisiana. So it just shows that, that that potential for offshore wind is there, not without its problem statements like we talked about earlier, but it's, that's, the, that's what we want to shoot for. You know, it's having an absolute limitless energy economy for power. James tells us the story of how he and his team were attracted to Louisiana a decade ago by the opportunity to work shoulder to shoulder with NASA engineers at the New Orleans Michoud Complex which is currently building the rockets that will transport the first woman to the moon. A blade is the size of a, you know, it used to be the size of a swimming pool, now it's the size of a football field. And it's difficult to handle. So um, the team at NASA were not phased by us saying we wanted to build and move and test these giant structures. That was quite novel in its own right. Um, and then you've got the rocket scientists, the expertise, the people that you sat down to, you know, next to at lunchtime, that you're talking about a finite element analysis model in engineering or aerodynamics or a new material, and they can relate to it. They're like, oh, you know, wind's good, but it's not rocket science. Like said, but it's, uh, they are, they're a friendly bunch. These giant banks of computers that are up in uh, Langley, you know, at the NASA space there. So, when you're designing a new structural design for a wind turbine blade, you quite often have to run these very complex equations. And those equations might take multiple days, maybe even a week to run. You know, there's a lot of equations. Um, so leveraging that, actually, um, again, someone we met at NASA and we had the ability to run these giant equations on these NASA computers. And you could take something that might take a week and do it overnight. It's, you know, it's a big difference when you're trying to get innovation to product fast. It was a good fit. It was something novel. I think something that was driven by Louisiana State. It was a very, you know, and supported by the federal uh, government. And uh, it's still a very strong asset today to our community in New Orleans. James and his team demonstrate their unique understanding of the import of cultivating innovation ecosystems with their dedication to mentoring local K-12 students through vocational outreach and internship programs as well as their systems-level cooperation with regional economic development groups like GNO Inc. and The Beach, an innovation campus at the University of New Orleans that is energizing the renewable sector with initiatives like the New Energy Nexus. But the workforce of tomorrow, we're really proud to be working with Jefferson Parish Schools here on the um, right near the Avondale uh, Tea Park Host shipyard. 
And um, these are K through 12, you know, kids that uh, want to get their first you know, engagement in engineering, in technology, in renewables, and, you know, partnering up to help them with the STEM programs, the STEM clubs, um, you know, having a, a mentor in those early stages of working out what they want to work in, whether it's going into an apprenticeship with companies in the energy industry, uh, or whether it's going on to one of the colleges, the aforementioned colleges, or indeed going on and choosing the right uh, a path that works for them in the university space, and then knowing that there's something back here in Louisiana, in you know, even in New Orleans and the Greater New Orleans region, where you've got this kind of technology, um, energy, you know, sustainable infrastructure built around the blue economy, which is all about what we're all about. In, in episode four, Italian engineer and physicist Esme Fantozzi explains the critical importance, impacts, and process of global energy transition, drawing on her decades of energy sector experience in supply chain, operational excellence, and renewable energy transformations. I really focus my own work on energy transition leadership. And I see leadership as really a few fundamental bingle blocks. You assess what you have, you form a vision for the future, you build that future and you bring everyone along. That's what we need in, in throughout the energy transition. This ability, as we had in so many other areas, of acting, of assessing without fear, making plan, bring them to action, and bring people around. You're talking about designing things that will provide value, jobs, career, food, energy. And by the way, by design, don't waste. They don't waste energy. They don't cost energy. They don't waste material. They don't further mine the natural environment. Her interactive and formative work with the MIT-conceived En-ROADS platform is helping corporations and individuals gain a better understanding of the challenges we are facing in the coming decades and the role that each of us can play as individuals, organizations, and sectors in working towards global net-zero carbon emissions. Yes, the work is daunting, but the opportunities are also enormous. And without a planet B, we are already way behind the ball in the process of establishing an adaptive, regenerative relationship with this fragile water-based biosphere that we call planet Earth. Please join us at Deep Blue Academy and for each new episode of the Blue Economy Primer as we learn from the experts the practical tools and valuable solution sets that will empower your community to adapt and thrive in an age of climate and economic discontinuity. Thank you for joining us for the Blue Economy Primer. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the like button and be sure to visit our website at www.deepblue.academy, where you can access important links and supporting information about today's podcast, send us your comments and or suggestions for potential guests and topics, get more information about our education and training programs, and join our mailing list, as well as make a much appreciated tax-deductible donation to support our nonprofit education and research initiatives. Thanks again to the Dan Lucas Memorial Foundation and the Pontchartrain Conservancy for their critical financial and institutional support. Until next time, when we meet again on the ever-expanding horizons of the blue economy.